this is Terry Beatley, your host of What If We've Been Wrong? I'm shining light into some dark places so that beauty, goodness, and truth defeat the schemes of the enemy. It's true, people are perishing for lack of knowledge, and we're instructed to have nothing to do with the evil deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. That's what I do on What If We've Been Wrong? Rethink, explore, and uncover some hidden truths so that more people can experience an abundant life and the joy of being set free from the shackles that hold us in prison. Welcome to What If We've Been Wrong? All right, today I'm interviewing Linda Wall. Uh, Linda Wall is a Christian activist and a missionary to America. She's a born-again Christian set free from the lifestyle and the sin of homosexuality. And because of being set free, Linda has a real heart for getting truth out so that parents understand what's happening to our children in the public school system. But she also got involved in the lawsuit uh, against uh, Lisa Miller, who was or is a, um, a woman who had chosen to get out of the homosexual lifestyle and her biological daughter, Isabella, um, basically got caught in the middle of, of a tragic um, triangle over parental rights and, and the law between Virginia and then what was going on in Vermont. And so, Linda, welcome to the show, and let's dig deep into your story and, and the Lisa Miller story and what every American needs to know. Well, thank you, Terry, for having me on the show today. Well, let, let's just kind of get going into this Lisa Miller story. First off, how did you get involved Let's just start with that, because I know it started with you in Virginia, and then what was going on up in Harrisonburg, Virginia, with Lisa. How did you get involved? Well, Liberty Council, which at the time was only in Florida, had called me and asked me to go interview Lisa Miller. They were considering uh, taking her case to defend her uh, against the homosexual agenda that was trying to take her child away. And so they knew, had heard that I was a born-again Christian set free from homosexuality, and I drove to her town to interview her, and obviously as soon as I met her, I knew this woman had met the living Jesus Christ. Her countenance was aglow. She didn't even have to speak, and so from that point on, I became involved to help her with rallies and support as she went through various hearings in Virginia. Mm-hmm. Now walk us through Lisa Miller's story. So she had been obviously living a homosexual lifestyle, and then she, what, did in vitro fertilization? And, and, yes. and was well, what, that before meeting her lesbian partner? Walk us through the timeline. Actually, Lisa was a Virginian, and she she and this partner went to Vermont to get a civil union. It was the only state that allowed them. They came back to Virginia, ended up deciding, oh, well, let's have a child. So in Virginia, she had in vitro and had a child, Isabella. And then they decided to move to Vermont where they could be happily ever after as lesbians. And, uh, but God had a different plan, Terry. Mm -hmm. uh, somehow along the way, he, he rescues people. And she became a born-again Christian and knew she could not stay in that behavior. So she chose to get out of the relationship, come back to Virginia, 
She all she wanted to do was raise her daughter in the ways of the Lord mm-hmm. and live for the Lord God Almighty. And uh, so she wanted to do what was right and put away things, old things that you must pass away from when you become a believer. And when she made a move to dissolve the civil union, she didn't want it on the record, the former partner decided to sue for custody of little Isabella. And mm-hmm. that's when the battle began. And what year was this? Somewhere around 2004, 2005. Okay, and Isabella now, you know, the, the, the child, she's now 16 years old, right? Or she'll that be t- is exactly right. Okay, all right. So we're talking about 16 years ago. And so, um, I mean, so if we do the math, so that was, so she was, um, what, about two years old when Lisa moved back to Virginia then? Does that sound right? Right. When okay. I met Isabella, I met a little bouncy two-year-old toddler okay. running okay. around the house. <laughs> so all Lisa wanted to do was to be able to raise her child in the ways of the Lord, which clearly is not immersed in homosexuality. And the only state in the union, is am I correct on that, was Vermont that recognized, you know, quote, civil, what do you call it, civil marriages, civil unions, civil unions? They called them civil unions, civil and that's unions. correct. It was the only state. Only state, okay. All right, and so so she moves back to Virginia, and um, and then, then this battle begins. Okay, so you get a phone call from Liberty Council to do what? To go interview her and confirm that she was truly a born-again believer. Okay. okay. You know, to, the Lord says you'll know people by their fruits. Mm-hmm. And uh, she definitely demonstrated the fruits of the spirit of having been truly born again. Mm-hmm. So did she have to, well, I guess she did have to file the, the you know, dissolving that, um, that relationship in the courts in Vermont? Correct. Okay. Correct. Okay. And that's what the active, uh, the GLBT activists have tried to use and successfully use that, uh, because she did that, mm-hmm. they had, rule over the case. Oh, my goodness. Now, in Virginia, in 2004, a judge in her town, Winchester, Mm -hmm. declared that Lisa was the sole parent and that her daughter was hers because she was the biological mother and that she could, who who her daughter saw was her business. Mm -hmm. But um, that's not the way the story ended. Okay, so the Vermont woman, Janet Jenkins, did she ever officially adopt Isabella? She did not, Terry. As a matter of fact, twice Lisa tried to get her to adopt Isabella, and uh, she didn't do it. And then after Lisa moved to Virginia, uh, to Lynchburg, Virginia, where I was living, there were never any birthday cards, never any Christmas presents, never any birthday presents. Even one time I had reserved a seat for this Janet Jenkins to come and watch Isabella in a Christmas play, and she didn't show up. Wow. So there was never any demonstration of, oh, her motherhood and her daughter is missing from her. And this is just a propaganda ploy mm-hmm. of trying to present that she's the broken-hearted mother that really didn't have any mother claims on this little girl. Okay, so she has no biological the, claim. I mean, she's not the sperm donor. I mean, she's actually right. totally unrelated. She's a woman who unrelated. refused to adopt a child who had been offered 
multiple times in, I guess, those first two years and had refused. So it's almost like just somebody, in a way, like out of the blue, demanding, demanding. It's more than just parental rights. She's demanding to have full custody of Isabella. Right. Okay, so it's really this child who's now 16, so she's really only a young adult. She's being used as a political pawn in this LGBT uh, uh, movement across America. Exactly. Okay. okay. And Lisa did not want Isabella to be a poster child. She didn't want to be involved politically in the fight right. that was going on in the culture war. She wanted it to be a Christian mother. Right. I'm sure to be left alone so she could raise her daughter the best that she knew how and not, not to immerse her into all of that. Wow. So, okay, so when did um, Lisa decide to, was it more she, she was going to a different country for Christian work or what, what was this momentum that led up to um, Lisa um, moving to a different country? Well, Throughout the uh, six and a half years, just about, Terry, that I was involved in various hearings in uh, this case, and during the time, I could see the climate was changing and that even though Virginia had free laws that should protect her, I felt inside they were not going to protect Lisa. And one day I mentioned to her that she she ought to have a plan B because I didn't think the law was going to apply. And I asked her, well, what would you be doing if you hadn't been involved in all these hearings for six years? She said, I want to be a missionary. And so actually that day I said, well, go do it, Lisa. And she kind of chuckled back at me. I said, what's to prevent you from doing it? And it seems, you know, in hindsight, Terry, that that's exactly what she did. She Mm -hmm. took the opportunity to look at where can I go? How can I be used by God, which is what I want to be? Uh, and she is a school teacher. So I can envision that wherever Lisa is, she's teaching people about Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And being set free. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Okay. So and now walk us through what happens to her pastor and how do you get involved in this lawsuit and, and what would you want particularly every Virginian to know? You know, because this is happening in the state of Virginia. Well, what I would have every Virginian or every Christian in America know, mm-hmm. that this is really trying to criminalize Christianity. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a right in America to exercise our faith, which is clearly stated in the Word of God that homosexuality is a sin, and that it is wrong, and that we are to have no parts of it. Mm -hmm. So my warning to every believer in this nation, that this case, it could be any Christian about anything in America, that you exercise your faith outside the church building. Well, and we're seeing that now with, you know, the cases against the baker and the florist, and, you know, all these different cases. that Liberty Council, you know, has taken on many of these to defend the Christian. Mm Mm-hmm. So I don't know, when I discovered Lisa had left, I didn't know she'd left the country. I just knew her apartment had been vacant for three weeks. The mail had stacked up, mm-hmm. and I actually had a key and went in, and it looked just like someone had walked out and went to the store. Mm-hmm. And 
so in time, newspaper articles is how I discovered that Lisa had left the country as the bloodhounds started tracking them. And I don't know what all they did, except I've been told that uh, people's phone records were uh, were obtained without warrants mm-hmm. and all kinds of things were going on illegally to try to find out where Lisa and Isabella were. Mm-hmm. Unbeknowing to me and the prayer group that prayed constantly for her, and we even met once a week, she somehow, God orchestrated her steps to the Amish Mennonite people. Mm-hmm. I have no idea how. And but she, but she was Miller, not part, she was not like an active member of Mennonite or Amish oh, or no, anything? Okay. No, she was okay. uh, actually attending... Uh, Jerry Falwell's church, Thomas Road Baptist Church oh, in Lynchburg. Okay, okay, all right. Uh-huh. So somehow this work happened, and the people who were involved in assisting Isabel, uh, Lisa and Isabella to go on and live their Christian faith outside of America are being incarcerated for it mm-hmm. and being charged with international kidnapping, as well as Lisa is charged with international kidnapping for taking her daughter somewhere to go live her Christian life. Unbelievable. Uh, absolutely. Um, so so for those of you who may have just tuned in, so we're talking about how, you know, two, well, Lisa Miller, former lesbian, and then Janet Jenkins, her ex-lover. Okay, so, so and then, then there's a, a baby, Isabella, who's now 16 years old, and on, so for two years, Lisa Miller, you know, tried to get her lesbian lover to adopt Isabella, and the lesbian lover refused to. And then Lisa Miller um, finds Jesus Christ, wants to get out of that whole corrupt lifestyle, moves back to Virginia. Um, the only state in the union that recognized civil unions was Vermont, where they um, had received that. But Virginia does not recognize it. She's the biological mother. Um, there, there's a father out there somewhere. You know, I'm so tired of um, this radical feminist movement, this pro-homosexuality movement, you know, e- e- emasculating men. You know, it, it's like there's a father out there. Linda, I don't know your thoughts on this, but, you know, he's more than just a sperm donor. There's a father of Isabella, and that father is not Janet Jenkins, you know? So, um, okay, so just moving forward, so so this pastor, this Mennonite pastor, he gets how do, so he gets looped into this whole lawsuit. What happens to him? And his name, by the way, is what Ken Miller. Ken Miller, Pastor Ken Miller. Actually, uh, he was just released from a two-year sent, uh, prison term in early March, and his uh, involvement in helping Lisa was, uh, from my understanding helping her with a plane ticket. And he, he, the Mennonites, Amish Mennonites, are not politically inclined. He was simply reaching out to help a single mom go on somewhere where she could live her Christian faith. And at the time, Lisa had stopped visits. The court ordered that little Isabella have to go for a week and spend a week in Vermont with this woman but she didn't know for two and a half years she had not seen this woman. So, so what? Just, when, just to set the record straight here, so when Lisa left this relationship, Isabella was about two years old, and so two years later, so now Isabella is what, like four, and the court orders that Isabella has to go to Vermont to spend a week with a woman that she doesn't even know. 
Correct. This is six. And I believe Isabella, it was probably close to being five okay. years old. I mean, okay. that, but that's, nevertheless, that's horrific. That's traumatizing. Yeah, and it, you know, Carrie, the thing was, we, we inquired with heterosexual situations, and we were told that this is absolutely even violating what would be done in the heterosexual marriage community if a, a family split and the court ordered visitation. I mean, it was a stacked deck from the very beginning. And uh, after a couple of times of Isabella going on these visits, the child was traumatized. Oh my she goodness. was, she was the very first time she was made to take a bath with this naked lesbian foreign woman that she didn't know. Oh my God. That, now, oh. I don't believe there's any mother in this country who would not have said, you know what? I'm not doing this to my child. Uh, I was a part of taking Lisa and Isabella to Christian counseling because little Isabella wanted to kill herself at five <gasps> and not have to go back oh. on these visits. How And how many visits did she go on? I'm wanting to say that there were only two okay. to three different times that this was allowed. And it, it may was, have been two. And it was but, a week at you know, a time? Basically oh, yeah. five, six, seven days? Okay. I cannot yeah. imagine. I mean, I'm a mother of two daughters who are now grown, I cannot imagine the trauma that Lisa was feeling as she, I don't know if she you know, had to drop this, her daughter off at the stranger's house, but this is unbelievable. I didn't realize that, that the forced visitation, that that had happened. And it's one thing so that forced you... visitation, like to go meet at McDonald's and you sit there with a the stranger, you know, who's laying claim on your biological daughter and you you know you, everybody sips on a milkshake but to have to leave this little defenseless it's not even like she was 16 17 years old she's a defenseless five-year-old with a stranger it, I, it's unbelievable that the courts would even make that happen well it was because it was in vermont and this was the poster child case this right. is supposed to be the equivalent to roe versus wade this entire nation and with that thought hey lisa linda with that thought we're going to take a hard break right here and we're going to come back and we're going to pick up on the poster child of the lgbt movement who was should never have been the poster child this is their supposed roe v wade case of uh, the lgbt movement but you know what linda i'm in agreement with you that christ sets people free and that that america is not going to collapse into this that as christians and we're doing what we're supposed to be doing and standing up for justice and truth we will prevail so we'll be right back think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized the best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health sleeping better full of energy and focus We know that fades with age, and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep, but it doesn't have to be that way. There haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multi-nutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. Created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa. Award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. 
Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958. All right, we're going to pick right back up with uh, Linda Wall and we're discussing this case of, of Lisa Miller uh, who basically was in the midst of losing custody of her daughter or had lost custody of her daughter to a certain degree because she has to she had to leave her minor child five years old with her former lesbian lover in Vermont uh, she had she was forced to leave her with this woman whom Isabella the daughter did not even know and we just found out that Isabella was forced to take baths with this woman and and far more you know now we know that um, over the break, Linda, you were telling me about uh, what, what's that book called? Somebody has two. Moms. Heather has two mommies. Heather has two mommies. So let's pick it up right there. So this woman was indoctrinating Isabella in the notion of a child can actually have two mommies, right? That's right. Uh, one day, um, Isabella sat in my lap, and she had checked the book out of the library. We're here in Virginia, and she wanted to show me the book that this woman made her listen to over and over. And Isabella sat in my lap showing me this book. She said, over and over and over, she read this to me, and I only have one mommy. And, you know, my heart just went out to the little girl. And, of course, there was a, uh, apparently some type of sexual abuse going on. Uh, and all of this was presented to the Amish pastor. And he just felt as a believer and follower of Christ that he wanted to help this single mom and this little girl away from the abominable behavior that is conducted in homosexuality. Yeah. And this is not about hating homosexuals. You know, it's really not. Uh, And I think, you know, I think sometimes when when we as Christians stand up for Christian values and, and the Word of God, that you know we get labeled oh you're homophobic and all this no we're not i i know a number of people who who are in that lifestyle who are trapped in that lifestyle and it's not a matter of hating those people but we do believe in loving them with the truth oh okay so well that's a good point right there terry you know love is telling someone the truth yeah you know it's kind of like if you could save someone from running into a burning building by holding them and giving them a hug, most people would try to do that because mm-hmm. they love them so much. And this is purely what uh, true believers are trying to do with those trapped in homosexuality is it will lead to destruction. Well, Linda, you know firsthand how destructive it is. And I thought... I think right now maybe let's transition over to that as far as you you lived in this homosexual lifestyle for a number of years. Can you help our listeners know how how did you get involved in this? You know, because you weren't born that way, and you know you weren't born that way, but, but a few things happened, and it's almost like you were tricked, you were lured, you were deceived. Tell us what happened. Actually, it was over the summer of... Um my junior year from college mm-hmm. and I had a summer job and apparently this woman took a fancy to me on the job and decided to flirt with me which at the time I didn't know women did that uh, 
And so, long story short, in time, she ended up uh, seducing me one night under the influence of marijuana and wine. And uh, it was almost as if I had taken a drug and was hooked at that moment, Terry. Mm -hmm. Many times I wanted to leave it and didn't know why I couldn't get out of it. Mm-hmm. And, and how would you answer that? If somebody said, well, why do you think you couldn't get out of it? How would you respond? I think the powers of darkness, the principalities that we really do fight against, are so strong in sexual sins mm -hmm. that um, unless you have a miracle from the deliverer of Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. you're, tra you're really trapped in it. And, of course, you know, I was susceptible to, uh, to it because my, mo my mother was an overbearing mother. We'd never had an intimate daughter uh, closeness of mother-daughter raising. Mm -hmm. She was a hypochondriac, and she represented weakness. And so many young ladies, or even women who become involved in it, it traces back to overbearing mothers or sexual abuse as a child. Hmm. Well, that's interesting. I did not know that with lesbians. I've certainly read with homosexual men, like they were either missing a father in their life or the father was very cold and overbearing. Um, so I did not, I didn't realize that that was it for females. So, wow. Um, let's see. Now, when you, so how many years did you spend in the homosexual lifestyle? Almost 10 years, Terry. Ten and years. when I reached the end of, I call it the end of my rope of homosexuality, I was contemplating suicide. Yeah. I wanted out of it. Mm -hmm. And uh, because I had a praying family, you know, I was raised in a Christian home. Dad was a deacon, mother, Sunday school teacher, and brother, a preacher. Oh, wow. And man, off, <laughs> off in the wild blue yonder, I went. <laughs> <laughs> So, but they prayed for you for those 10 years. Oh, they did. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there came a day as I was walking the streets of Norfolk, Virginia, contemplating suicide. And it was as if the demons were telling me in one ear yep. why I should kill myself. Yep. But in the other ear, I heard a small voice say, you can't do that to your mother and father. Praise God. Mm. And, and, uh, and let me throw this in here right now. I mean, we know Scripture says uh, that, that Satan comes to kill, deceive, and destroy. So that would have been, you know, Satan's climax to have you kill yourself because he lured you into this lifestyle, a destructive, destructive lifestyle. And, and, and that's, that's what you just said. I mean, statistically, that's proven. Homosexuals... Yes. Um, uh, will commit a high rate of suicide. So what's wrong with exp you know speaking the truth to people with love, not with condemnation, not hitting them over their head, but with love with, with, and without all that condemnation? Um, you know, and the other thing, too, it makes me think of is, I don't know what Bible verse it is. I know it's in, in Proverbs. To guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. And that's what, what that woman who deceived you, I mean, she did it with marijuana and wine, you know, to, to whatever, you know, to desensitize you that way. And then you were not in a position to guard your heart for it's the wellspring of life. So, you, you, you know, you got devoured for those 10 years to a point where you're contemplating committing suicide. But then what happens? <laughs> I, I think this part of your story is fascinating. 
Well, it was certainly a miracle of biblical proportion, uh, Terry. The Word of God says that what we do is recorded. And I guess we think that's a parable, but I actually saw the recording of my life. Uh, a giant screen appeared in the sky, and it turned into a flip chart of the pages going backwards in reverse Whoa. of the various sinful moments in my life. Okay, so wait a minute, you're on Norfolk, Virginia City sidewalk when this is happening, or were you sitting in a yes. park? Okay, you were just walking no, down I was, the road. I was um, in, the, in the get section of Norfolk, which is yeah. like a, a, a canal going through there. Uh-huh. It's like a park. Okay. And, and, you know, when I saw the pages flipping, it went all the way back to my college. Wow. When my parents left me at college. Wow. And when they drove away, Carrie, I said, good, I'm going to do what I want to do now, and I'll go to church when I want to go. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I really believe Satan himself was around the corner going, I got you, girl. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, he comes to you know, kill, deceive, destroy. We battle not flesh and blood, That's but right. principalities. Mm -hmm. And too many believers in America have not gained the knowledge that we are not battling people, that there is a devil, there's a third fallen angels, and they're operating right here on earth. And so we, I, my call to Christians is to become more spiritual people. Right. Get off the pew and seek the Lord yourself so that the word of God is revealed in your heart. And then also to pray and to pray for the lost souls because yes. we've got to be bathing people in prayer. And, uh, yeah, boy. And the, 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 I, right now what I see flashing is what you had said earlier, the poster child for, for the LGB, LGBT movement, just like Norma McCorvey was the poster child for the Roe v. Wade case. But in all these cases, there's, there's a hurt victim, or actually many victims, but like in the Roe v. Wade case, uh, that, that was Norma McCorvey, and she didn't even understand what she was signing on to. She just didn't want to be pregnant. The woman never had an abortion, you know, but, but, but then she ended up, um, you know, being used by those activist attorneys who then, you know, when we end up with Roe v. Wade, now we have 60 million slaughtered children. And think of now all the children who are caught up in the legal system with this LGBT movement who are being forced into you know, week-long or year-long, you know, visitation rights and, um, and being abused. It's well, just... and not only that, this has led into what is going on in the schools of America. Absolutely. That five-year-olds are being taught they could be in the wrong body. Yeah, yeah. There, there are no boundaries. So basically, what, what really the evil one's gotten away with is to, uh, is to use our legal system to create a world where there, there are no boundaries. There's no, I mean, they've taken the Word of God and set it aside, and it's basically anything goes. So what have you found, Agnes? I know you're really active in, in, um, in educating people about parental rights and what the LGBT movement is doing to the minds of little children. Tell us what's going on there. Well, you know, when, before the Lisa Miller case, I was um, appalled when I saw an article, this was about the year 2000, an article where AT&T had sent pro-homosexual videos to all of the middle schools in America. And so that article, it was like, my, it went to my heart that I have got to try to help these children and protect them. 
And for years, I was lobbying in Richmond against the sexual orientation code. And, you know, once America, uh, the various states had the marriage amendment, I felt like I had kind of finished that course of, well, now we've got a constitutional amendment that marriage is a man and a woman, and this should protect the children. And, of course, we know that once again, a court turned the country upside down by saying that that was unconstitutional. Absolutely. And so, you know, I had my appeal for seven years, uh, I guess you would say during the Ken Miller uh, trials and incarceration, I was trying to wake up the church, Terry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, we are supposed to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth, not just go to church on Sundays, right. put in our time, sit on the pew, and you know this. And I really feel that if the Church of America would get on board about the murder of unborn children and this molestation by the GLBT that's going on in this country and be the salt of the earth, that there we would see a turnaround in this nation. That's right. But the church is silent on these two issues too well, much. I, oh, too much is, is an understatement. Let me give you the Barna statistics. And if, if there's a pastor listening to this podcast, this is what I'd want him to know, him or her. Uh, right now, according to Barna, you know, the George Barna Group, Barna Statistics, they, they surveyed, and what they've discovered is only two, as in one, two, only 2% of pastors preach on these tough issues of today, abortion, homosexuality, and what have you. Only 2% of pastors, 98%, probably tickle the ears of, of their parishioners, but these tough issues of today, are they're being avoided by Christian pastors from the pulpit. Now, interestingly, when, when Christians were surveyed by Barna Group on, I think it was like the top 100 issues uh, that Christians should be interested in, the number one issue that they wanted to be better educated about, you know, so they could defend uh, the number one issue was abortion, the, but it's the number one issue that pastors avoid. And then somewhere of the homosexuality issue was certainly ranking in the top five. Christians want to know, how do we defend a culture of life? How do we defend God-ordained marriage? But the problem is the pastors are not preaching about it, so they're not even feeding the flock. And so this, I, I'm with you. I mean, I, that, that's one of the reasons why we set up a nonprofit is to be able to come beside pastors to help talk about these kind of issues, to educate the laity, and, and to, to help pastors see that when you stand on the Word of God, it's not going to shrink your church. If anything, it's going to make your church grow. And I've spoken to pastors before. There was one young pastor up in Northern Virginia. He told me, let me say, I think he was about 44 years old. And he said, God convicted his heart that he had been preaching to please man, meaning he had been avoiding the tough issues. And, and he just felt really convicted over this. And so he began preaching probably once a month, tackling one of these tough issues, not with hate, but with love. And he said, yep, a few people got up and walked out of the church each time he'd preach on a tough issue. But word got out, and then his church began to grow and grow and grow. Isn't that awesome? That is awesome. I really believe that God, when he created man, 
put a spot inside of us, mankind, rather, that we seek truth. Absolutely. And people want truth. They really do. Mm-hmm. And this is a perfect example of it. And, uh, you know. Well, because truth is a person. Truth is capital T. And that truth is mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Yes. Right? Yes. And so, you know, it's written on our hearts. What is beauty? What is goodness? What is truth? And so just like, you know, you take the abortion issues. We bring that up and we bring up homosexuality. Because that's, that's, those are two great ways to crush a nation right? Kill the babies and convince every teenager they're actually homosexual. Hello. (laughs) You know, it's just unbelievable. But it's like, okay, so you go back to beauty, goodness, and truth. You know, you can take anybody. You can take a pro-abortion activist. Take a 23-year-old who thinks abortion needs to be legal all nine months of pregnancy. But I tell you what, you put a bucket of dead babies, dismembered babies in front of that 25-year-old who's fighting for the right to, to have every woman you know, can abort her child, sit her down in a chair and have her stare into that bucket of dead babies with arms, legs, heads crushed, and then ask her, now, is this really what you stand for? And I would bet you, you know, any amount of money that that, that young person could not honestly tell you that that's what she stands for. And so, so absolutely, I think this beauty, goodness, and truth, it's written on our heart. We can triangulate if we can discover, oh, well, what is goodness? We can figure out what beauty and truth is. And so, and it's the same way with homosexuality. The homosexuals are committing suicide at high rates. They're getting diseases because our bodies, you know, are not meant to do what two men do together. It's just, you know, anatomically, they're not even designed for all that. And it's not hate that we deliver those messages. It's with love. And you, and you know, and you can speak with such authority because you were there. So let me ask you this. Where do Christians go? You know what? Actually, we're going to come back to this question right after this hard break. Where do Christians go wrong? in trying to communicate, you know, the gospel message, but it, all it does is just, you know, irritate and make angry people who are entrapped. And so what advice would you have for Christians who really do want to love people with the truth? So we'll be right back, Linda, and we pick it up there. The goal is to deliver a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world to unite people from all backgrounds and beliefs in an effort to advance humanity. News blogs, informative podcasts, and entertaining videos. It's AmericaOutloud.com, where the conversation never ends. With 24-7 streaming on our free apps on both Android and Apple. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. All right, Linda, at our last break time, we're talking about where do Christians go wrong in trying to communicate the gospel message? What what advice would you have for us? Because you spent 10 years in a lesbian, homosexual relationship and then you tried getting out, you know, only and then being ensnared in the ideas of suicide and all that. What can Christians do better in communicating this? Well, Carrie, I think that there's a key element that has been left out of the Christian faith in America, and that's the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, many denominations never mention the Holy Spirit. Uh, the church I was raised in was Southern Baptist. I never heard about the Holy Spirit 
But that Holy Spirit, the Comforter that Jesus left here, was to guide us to mm-hmm. truth, call things to remembrance, call for uh, righteousness and judgment in the earth. People need to spend time on their knees and allow the Holy Spirit to fill in their bodies more. Mm-hmm. Can I uh, explain the Holy Spirit? Absolutely not. But I know that the church, if you are led by the Holy Spirit, there are things you don't say. There are, it's like the Holy Spirit is a, a signal that you know when to say what and what to say or not to say anything. But we still want to be humans in control. Mm-hmm. But I would encourage every believer to learn more about the operation that the Holy Spirit is supposed to have in our lives. Mm-hmm. And you won't be uh, condemning and bringing condemnation over uh, people who are caught in sin, whether it's homosexuality or prostitution or what. Sin is sin, and right. the church has kicked sin out of the window. Mm-hmm. We don't hear about sin. when We, we sin daily, regardless. And uh, the American Christianity has become so polluted, Jerry, and every wind of doctrine is intertwined in it. People need to get back with the Word of God and with the Lord and allow the Lord to write in their hearts His Word. He will lead you. There are times when I want something to say to someone about the Lord. I might be standing in the line at a church, and my lips are sealed. Mm -hmm. So I don't blab something out. But then there are times when I know from that unction of the Holy Spirit inside that you have a message for this person. Mm -hmm. The church is kind of, um, you know, Paul talked about it. It's nothing new. When Paul would come back on his journeys, his missionary journeys, he would tell the, the congregation, I wanted to give you some meat this time, but you're still on milk. And the church in America is still drinking milk. And this is what I say to the church. Grow up. Get on the meat so we can prepare the way for the return of King Jesus. That's right. That's right. Well, Because some are going to be saved. You know, when I went to the church, uh, surrendered to the Lord in the church after I saw my life before me, Terry, that pastor, the Lord orchestrated my steps so that that pastor was my teenage pastor. And there he was preaching in this church in Norfolk where God led me to, to go that Sunday. And when I met with him on Monday, tears running down his face, he said, Linda, it has been so long since I saw someone truly repent. Wow. This is so refreshing. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's the key word to, to repent. It's not just like, okay, gee, God, I'm sorry, but deep from inside out, true repentance. And we're not just talking about, you know, homosexuality. It's, and, and I think that's the other thing is with Christianity, we have a tendency to um, think we can weigh the sin, which we can't. Sin is sin, right? You know that full well, sin is yes. sin. And so, you know, it's like, I'm better than you because I'm not a homosexual. It's like, no, that's not... That's not the, you know, that's not righteousness. <clears throat> well, let, let me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spin this backwards a little bit because I think it shows profoundly how much Satan tries to keep people in a trap. Because yeah, we know Satan comes to kill, deceive, destroy. So it's to, he's, he's 
deceived many, many judges, like those judges up in Vermont, you know, that would actually do that to little baby Isabella, you know, force her into custody, you know, a week at a time with a woman that she doesn't even know, who then abuses her. Okay, um, explain how, what happened to your door when you decided that you were going to go back to church. Explain what literally happened in the car. Oh, yes. You know, um, I mentioned earlier about us fighting principalities and powers of darkness. When I drove up into that parking lot, I could not get the car door open to get into the parking lot at that church, and the door was not locked, Carrie. Mm -hmm. I had to literally hold the handle up and kick that door open with both feet to exit my car. I know that the forces of hell were right there, not wanting to lose me. They thought me, they had a, a nail in my coffin yep. and had my soul on its way to hell. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, once I got out of the car, I knew what I had encountered was supernatural from the dark side. Mm -hmm. But I knew I had a appointment with the Lord in that building. And so I didn't belabor the thought and said, we'll come back to figure that out later. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, Christians are so uneducated in God's Word. Mm -hmm. We are supposed to be the ones out here. We have the key to life eternal. Absolutely. And, we're, and we are keeping our candle under a bushel. Right. Well, and I think the other thing, too, is people no longer, so many people, and, and no longer believe in the supernatural. So, Linda, was this your first day back at church and you could not get the door opened? Was that the first time you returned? Exactly. Okay. You know, for years, my mother had written me letters about going to church. And, of course, I would ball them up and throw them in the trash and leave me alone, lady. But that was the appointed day mm -hmm. that God said, today is the day. And, uh, you know, since then, it's been an educational process of seeing how uneducated believers are, Carrie, in the Word of God. Mm -hmm. We mm -hmm. went to seminars and conventions and all over and still never understanding the mm -hmm. truth. Mm -hmm. You know, going back to the, the Lisa Miller case and the, the Mennonite, Amish Mennonite, I saw a better demonstration of the Christian faith than I had seen in a very long time. Mm -hmm. And even... You know, yesterday there was a, a, a Virginia businessman who was in an appeals hearing. He's facing three years, two, two, consecutive, two, two consecutive three year sentences for simply giving Lisa and her daughter a ride. A Christian thing to do to someone in need. It's it's un, it's almost unbelievable, you know, that that's happening. But he, he, he lived his faith. He was exercising. His Christian belief, here's a single mom that needs to get from Lynchburg, Virginia to Buffalo, New York. Mm -hmm. And, well, you know, believers, when I was in homosexuality, I understood what the GLBT friends had to say about churches and Christians. Well, what would they say? Was really, what would they it say? It was really true, Terry. Well, there goes a bunch of hypocrites. They go into their little buildings. And they do their little thing, and then they go live like devils all week. That's what they say about Christians. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they, didn't, they wanted help also, but they saw that as 
hypocrisy and not the truth, not the real thing. Right. But, you know, we're supposed to be the living witnesses here on earth. And, you know, uh, this old Pentecostal lady, she says, honey, you realize that you're the only Jesus some people will ever see. Now, she wasn't saying I was Christ, but she was saying, my, I'm his representative. So what kind of representative are they seeing? Right. You know, good people don't go to heaven, Terry. Yeah. Well, Jesus yeah. Christ is the only way to go to heaven. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing I was going to talk about earlier is that Jesus himself said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. You know, if a man eats of this bread, he will live forever. And so people have forgotten and, and even the possibility. I mean, when Jesus said that, a lot of people fled. They're like, what are you talking about? You know, eat your body, you know? Um, and so anyway, I just, I, Linda, it, it, it's a lot of, it's a lot of hurt, a lot of pain, a lot of loneliness. So moving forward, what, so this pastor is now out of prison. So he spent what, two years or three years? Behind, he spent two years. Two years behind bars. So they, uh, what happened to his family? I mean, that means two years. This is unbelievable. So he took, takes Lisa Miller and her daughter to the airport, and he ends up now, in prison for two years. Well, now, the pastor was not the one that gave the ride. He, he helped get a ticket for her to go to a country where she could worship the Lord. Oh, okay, okay. Okay. The businessman that was in appeals hearing yesterday is the one who simply gave her a ride. Right. A ride. Okay. And I'll tell you, the way they have painted the scenario, if you pick up an article to read about this, they have Lisa living in this businessman's beach house in Nicaragua. Mm-hmm. So I met this businessman a few weeks ago, sat in a restaurant, and once again I saw real Christians, he and his wife, who lived their faith 24-7. And I asked him, I said, are you the one with the beach house? He said, well, I have a home on the water. And he said, but I tell you this, Lisa and Isabella have never set foot in my house. Wow. Okay, so that's more misinformation out in the media. Okay. All right, so Lisa's never stepped foot in his house. Yep, I actually saw that art, well, a article where it was saying that, that she was living in his home. And I kept thinking, he's like, well, if they know she's living in his home, why have they not gone down there and, you know, whatever you know charged her with anything where do we go from here what needs to be done i mean the only thing i can think of is okay we need to be praying praying that truth that's truth with a capital t truth will prevail but what do we need to be doing in your mind well the example god has given me carrie is when moses went to pharaoh to for the people to be released so they could worship god and my plans are and some of it has already begun, of getting into Washington, getting into the Department of Justice, and making an appeal for all of these involved, and for all other Christians in this country, that we have a right guaranteed by the Constitution to exercise our faith. And the Christian faith is one outside of the sanctuary. Either we have a Constitution First Amendment, or we don't. And right. I need to hear someone tell me it's void, okay, if it's void. And we'll leave the country and go where we can worship the Lord. But yes, uh, with the 
the fact that we have a window of opportunity yes. with this administration right. that we never could have had before, that effort and the rest of the term of this president will be trying to free these people and free all Christians in this Judeo-Christian nation to practice and exercise their religion as the Constitution guarantees us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If anyone knows anybody in the Department of Justice that I can go through their door and talk to, uh, I would love to hear about it. They can contact you. And, or, you know, it's always, sometimes the Lord has people hidden that we don't know are hidden. Right. Mm-hmm. And I do believe that the vice president is, is a man of faith, the Judeo-Christian faith. And uh, I'm looking for the door that the Lord will send me to so I can once again proclaim for the Lord, let his people go. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm, I had a great opportunity to interview Mallory Millett, who's the sister of Kate Millett, the communist who co-founded the National Organization of Women. And I was just sitting here reflecting on, you know, they set out with the plan to destroy the American family back in the late 60s, early 70s, literally saying, you know, and the way to do it is to destroy uh, the role of man, uh, you know, the triarch of the family, and to really try to take him down. And then the, um, uh, I remember one of their chants, you know, it said, well, how are we going to, you know, do this cultural revolution? And it ended with... Um, to promote promiscuity, eroticism, homosexuality, and abortion. And, and what they set out to do, they nearly accomplished until truth shows up. And I believe truth with a capital T, and I believe you will have God's favor you know, in the, in the Justice Department. Because um, what most people don't understand is how, you know, I think, mo- I think, I think Christians generally understand that, yes, we or a Christian Judeo nation, uh, but I, I'm in total agreement with you. They don't understand how to exercise that. You know, it's almost like we get cowered behind four walls, and that's exactly where the other side wants to keep us, behind the four walls. You can practice your faith on Sunday behind those four walls, but don't take it out any other place. But, it, but they're the very principles that give us our safety, um, that lead to prosperity, um, you know, and it all started with British common law, which was grounded on the Word of God. That's What's exactly it? right. Mm-hmm. So, all right, any other tips for moving forward? You know, so we, we're going to be asking for favor, you know, let, let my people go. And, uh, and actually, I want to clarify one thing. Sometimes I get really, like, hot-headed talking about particularly this issue, and it's not so much the homosexuality part. I grieve for the children, I grieve for the children who get so used and abused because it's one thing if two people want to live that lifestyle, okay, that's one thing. But when you go around, you start messing around with parental rights and then using these children as pawns in, in your corrupted worldview, that's where my, that's where I just get, I don't know, I feel feisty or something, but I never want anybody to interpret it as I'm hateful. It's I'm just so protective over children, you know, because they're defenseless. Yes. And every child has a mother, a biological mom, and a biological father. And there's no such thing as two mommies or two daddies. It is absolutely impossible. And I don't care how many books are written, how many times it's said in the media. And so it's, it's a distortion of, of truth. So, 
All right, Lynn, I'm going to give you the last word. What what say you? What what else would you want people to know? Well, you know, bottom line for anyone, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Mm-hmm. And that can be that, you know, many Christians today are hurting themselves and feel like they cannot participate in anything because they're so hurt. But Jesus came to restore that in people. And, you know, he is the only way. And so my heart goes out to the children, but it also goes out to Christians who go into sanctuaries on Sunday and come out just as empty and unequipped to live their life daily and be what the Lord wants us to be during our journey on earth. Linda, thank you. Your depth and breadth of knowledge in this arena is spot on. And I just think you're on a path of helping so many other people be set free. And you do it with such a gentle spirit, you know, and you you understand and you're compassionate. And so I wish you well. And I just, and I do, I pray for big time victory um, so that the captives are set free and that God uses you in a mighty way. Thanks for being on What If We've Been Wrong. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right, Linda. Talk to you soon. Mm -hmm.